0: Hello and welcome to Marvel Studios News, episode 107. My name is Sean Gerber. Happy, as always, to be joined by my co-host, Paul Herman. What's up, Paul?
1: Oh, nothing. Just uh, putting stuff into the new uh, Patreon Discord chat with our new Discord book club uh, section. Oh, wow. I'm actually, on in all seriousness, people, I'm having a blast on our new Discord channel. We're on. Uh, I know it's a shameless plug, but I gotta say, I was just telling Sean before we started recording, I'm having a blast coming on here and and just hanging out with everyone. So it's, uh I'm not gonna lie, it's it's pretty fun, yep.
0: pretty fun. So we do yeah. have we do have a Discord server. It's available exclusively to our patrons in our three dollars a month and up tier information available at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News, but you'll hear us talk about that kind of stuff uh, throughout the show. But yeah, we started a Discord for our patrons, and it's just been a blast, and Paul is leading a book club. We have an audio show, the Marvel Unlimited Book Club, that we do every month on the Patreon, but the Discord just allows Paul to talk about comics even more with all of our fellow Marvel fans, and so it's just been awesome. And speaking of the Patreon. Before we get started with today's show, Paul, we have some folks to thank. So thank you yes. very much to Nathan Miller, Daniel Pereira, Nick Sino, Mark Beatty, Derek Beebe, Joshua Sherbet, and Nick DeToda. They are the latest patrons over at patreon.com slash News, and they are eligible for, of course, the Discord, and can participate there, and get access to all kinds of exclusive content that's not available anywhere else, including the Daily Bugle, where I'm talking about Marvel news every Monday through Friday, and there's multiple weekly Q&A shows. There's a lot of stuff on our Patreon, Mm -hmm. Uh, but what we're going to talk about on this week's episode, I'm pretty sure you've all guessed it, we are going to talk about the Spider-Man Far From Home teaser trailer, and what's so fun about days where we get Marvel trailers is... There's the excitement that I have for just me being able to watch the trailer, but then I also know that I'm going to very soon talk to Paul and get his (laughs) thoughts on the trailer. And for those of you who follow at Herman22 with two N's on Twitter, you damn well know that Paul's not really going to tell you what he thinks about a trailer or a movie until he comes on the show. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, Paul, you were as cryptic as ever today. (laughs) I try to be. You can watch my stupid face on Superhero News on YouTube (laughs) reacting to these trailers because there was an international one too. So you can see me reacting to all of the footage that we got today. So there's not really a lot of suspense left as far as uh, whether or not I'm coming down positive or negative on the footage that we had today. But Paul, I don't know where you land. And this is true, by the way. I know I say this. Uh, mm-hmm. but it really is accurate I don't text Paul before the show and think and ask him hey man what'd you think like I don't try to find out before the show I try to go in blind having no idea if Paul and I are gonna spend an entire episode fighting so I don't well, really <laughs> there is
1: there's one, I think you asked, you had to know what I thought about uh, Infinity War. You had to know. Oh, I think I yeah. Right yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. That was one of the, I, but, we, but I called you like right afterwards. Yeah,
0: like, yeah. So every once in a while there are exceptions. But generally speaking, in yes. this instance included, I don't know what Paul thinks of Spider-Man Far From Home. And it's that much more suspenseful when we know that <laughs> Paul is, you know, his favorite character is Spider-Man. So mm-hmm. I know that while he's going to look forward to a Spider-Man trailer as much as anyone, he's Mm -hmm. also more likely to be critical of a Spider-Man trailer than potentially anyone. It's true, true. But but that's what happens. Like The more you're a fan of something, I think the more you might Mm -hmm. watch it with a critical eye. In some ways, you're biased in favor of it, but in other ways, it's like you have very high expectations Mm -hmm. for what stories or movies with that character ought to be. So, Paul, as I continue to drag out the suspense for everybody who's been waiting all day <laughs> to figure out what you thought of the Spider-Man: Far From Home teaser trailer, what'd you think?
1: Well, so I have to say that I really I like the trailer. I, I, I like this trailer a lot. Um, it's one. It's something that. Um, how do I say? It's not. What, it's not a tra- trailer that blew me out of the water. No pun intended uh, <laughs> with the uh, Hydro man's uh, qu- uh, quotation marks Hydro man. Yeah, um, whatever. So it, to me, this trailer did a great job of setting up the basic story. And and I think and someone on Twitter had, had even said, like, I pretty much pieced a whole movie out in this one trailer. And it's true. They, they pretty much give you everything. Yeah, or so we think. One. True, true. It certainly it's, it, it certainly appears that way, if that makes sense. Um, but uh, but well, anyway, as this first, is
0: Sony and not Disney, so yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Going back to the homecoming trailers, <laughs> yeah, we we pieced yeah, a lot of that together. Not uh, not Adrian Toomes being Liz's dad. No, uh, no, that wasn't. Yeah, so yeah. at least they saved one good surprise for the theater.
1: Right, right, right. So that being said with with this specific trailer, um, I wonder whose dad Mysterio
0: job. is No, <laughs>
1: <laughs> who is it's Flash Thompson's dad. Um, so no, it, it, this trailer did a great job of setting up the movie and it's it, what it could just continues exactly what, uh, homecoming was. And mm. I think that's, I think they did a great job of doing that. Um, it's, I don't know. It, it looks. The, I love all the new costumes that Spider-Man wears that they show in this movie. Yeah, I they love. Look
0: pretty sweet. They, in motion, they look pretty sweet.
1: Yeah, there's a lot. I, I gotta say, the the black and red looks really – It looks really good. I mean, it does. I, yeah. It, I, I, I I'm, a, I'm a fan of the Superior Spider-Man comic book, mm-hmm. and he wears and for people who don't know, that's Otto Octavius takes over the mind of Peter Parker. And he is Spider-Man and he dons a black and red costume Mm -hmm. and kind of somewhat of the inspiration for that in this. And they
0: went to I don't know. I'm sure you had to have seen it by now. But when they were doing the concept art for Homecoming, Ryan Minerding, who's the head of visual development at Marvel Studios, and he was leading the visual development on uh, Homecoming. And he did again on on Far From Home. Like he designed the superior Spider-Man version of the suit. He put that in as as an option. Obviously, they didn't use it. In Spider-Man: mm. Homecoming, but clearly there was something about the black and red that that caught on and, and found its way into this one.
1: Yeah, and so it looks really slick. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. There's there's a lot to like because the it's funny because I think one of the biggest and it's not, it's not even a criticism for me necessarily, but one of the biggest things that people a lot of hardcore Spider-Man purists will complain is that this is not a typical Spider-Man you know, setting, adventure, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I'll be honest, that's one of the reasons why I'm really excited to to watch this is yes. that, and it's really refreshing, is that it's so different than, not so different, but it's very different to what we normally get from a Spider-Man movie. And I think with Homecoming,
0: it, you got it 100% has to be.
1: Well, exactly. And I think we all understand that as, as fans, uh, for as far as who are you know, maybe not as as hardcore purists as a lot of the other uh, Spider-Man fans that I I know that are out there that I already saw people complaining a lot about, which is whatever. It's it's their right. They can complain. Um, you know, I don't necessarily necessarily agree with everything. There's some things that we'll get into that I I'll, I'm gonna it's a call a nitpicks. Okay, so but for the most part, this again, this feels like a Spider-Man story. There's a couple things in here that I'm not like. You know, you, I could argue that, yeah, but at the same time, I like the idea of getting a different story because again, we've already got three in the movie, just movies alone. We've already got what? Five Spider-Man films that again are pretty accurate to the mythos of Spider-Man and homecoming. I thought was pretty, was fairly accurate to an extent with the mythos of Spider-Man with mm-hmm. also doing its own thing. And I feel that this far from home trailer just kind of doubles down that. On a a lot more and bridges, or um, not bridges, but builds off of that whole movie. And again, it's a sequel. This is all no dust stuff. I want to make that very clear. I'm not trying to, you know, act like I'm breaking a you know bound or breaking a uh, mind blowing thing here with this. But it just was really evident to me that they're really taking that to the nth degree in this movie. And I think that's going to really one. Upset a lot of purists, and but I think for people that like me who really loved uh Homecoming, they're gonna love this movie just as much. And but I think also, it's just it's just one of those things where you have to, you know if you, if you're like me, there's a couple of things you have to kind of go okay, I, I understand what they're trying to do, I just have to accept it, and I'll get in those later. But I, I love everything that for the most part uh that I see in this. I love seeing Nick Fury and Spider Man. I love Peter's reaction to Nick mm-hmm. Fury. I, that, like that to me was – that to me felt like Peter Parker and Spider-Man. You know, I mean, again, like Nick Fury, that's a little more recent stuff with the whole Ultimate cartoon that came out about, what, five, six years ago, something yeah. around there. Yeah. Um, It was just fine. At least I like that cartoon a lot actually. I know a lot yeah, of people Yeah, it's did. really good. Uh, it, it's really fun and cute. And again, that was Spider-Man being a field a, – uh, a shield field agent. A shield agent. And – I but I love I love the response that Spider-Man has cuz it just it just feels like yeah like Spider-Man knows who Nick Fury is and he knows like how how much of a big deal that he's talking yeah, to Yeah, I him, got man. that
0: question. Yeah, I got that question um you know I was recording a Q&A episode today for the Patreon Shameless Plug Alert. Uh but then uh, you know the the question came up also came up on the Discord before that Shameless Plug Alert. Uh you know they when of how Peter Parker would know who Nick Fury is and <laughs> I thought of, I pretty much see it as Nick Fury became public knowledge after Avengers. But even if you don't agree with that, he became public knowledge in Captain America, the Winter Soldier. All of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s secrets were dumped onto the Internet in that movie. So Peter Parker would have the opportunity to know who Nick Fury is. And that's assuming that there are no conversations that could have happened off screen between Peter Parker and Tony Stark or anyone else at any point in time who could have briefed Peter Parker as to who Nick Fury was. So I don't think it's a leap at all that Peter Parker would know who Nick Fury is and, and know enough about him to react the way that he does in this trailer. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I, I loved the the footage that we got today. This teaser trailer, I thought it was great. I thought it, uh, it looked cool to see those new suits in motion. I love the little flipping eyelids or whatever or the goggles on the stealth suit. Uh, the black yeah, and red suit look- just looks fantastic, especially when he's gliding <laughs> with the web wings. I mean, it's just... It's just dope. Like, I, I love it. Um, and then, and don't worry, everybody, we're going to get to Mysterio in the bowl, and the fishbowl. We're not going to forget. Yes. Um, but because I know <laughs> we're going to spend a lot of time on that. So we better get everything else out first.
1: Exactly. So, That's why I left it alone. <laughs> yeah. So like,
0: I think it looks cool. And also I love seeing like Spider-Man in Europe and getting a, a different setting and a different setting on earth. Like we got a little bit of the Washington DC stuff in homecoming, but for the most part, we've had Spider-Man adventures in New York and so now moving him into unfamiliar places and, that are still again earth based not necessarily going out into space and being on spaceships or on Titan like we got in Infinity War uh, but I like seeing Spider-Man in these uh, in these new environments where we're not used to uh, where we're not used to seeing him and also the action looks big with these elemental mm-hmm. creatures or Whatever they are, you know, one of them looks like Molten Man. One of them looks like Hydro Man, and I don't think that they actually are those characters. Uh, exactly. But, uh, but it's still cool to see them represented as an, as an homage to those characters who are probably never going to show up in a Spider Man movie anyway. This is a way to get them in there, uh, and so it's cool to see. Uh, it's cool to see all of that, and it just continues to look fun. Like I love the awkward high school humor in here, like Peter and. Uh, MJ slash Michelle played by Zendaya and the like Happy Hogan is flirting with Aunt May and Peter Parker reacting to that like all that stuff is cool and I think it's really fun and I'm really enjoying it and it's it's going to be the same debate all over again as far as how some comic book purists might feel about some of the changes that are being made when it comes to making this fit in the MCU, but to me, it's not even so much about fit in the MCU. You can make the Raimi films and all that other stuff. You can make a lot of that material fit in the MCU, but what you can't really change is, or what you have to worry about is just retreading on all this stuff that's already happened. I mean, mm-hmm. you and I can go back to, and it was act- it's actually four years ago next month when the deal was announced between oh, Sony gosh. and Disney sharing Spider-Man and uh, Disney slash Marvel Studios. And from the moment that deal was announced, and they were talking about doing another Spider-Man reboot, for, from that moment all the way up until pretty much everybody saw Civil War and loved Tom Holland's Peter Parker, what did we keep hearing? And what kept coming up as we were talking about it, when Spider-Man news would come up? Oh, great, Spider-Man, here we go again. Mm-hmm. Haven't we seen this? Haven't we seen this? So everybody knew that that criticism was out there that people were already, you know, had the pitchforks ready for a, an MCU Spider-Man that was really just going over everything that Sam Raimi and Mark Webb already did. So they have to do some things differently. And, of course, they would want to do things differently so they could have their own take. But I continue to believe that this is still faithful to the core of who Peter Parker is, the core of who Spider-Man is, and that's the stuff that I care most about. And it's fine if people don't agree with that. Okay. Um, but generally speaking, I, I don't know that there are really that strong of arguments to say that the guy we're seeing in these, in these movies, I don't think there's an, a great argument to say that's not Peter Parker.
1: Yeah. And I think that I, I for the most part, I totally I, for the, agreed. There are a couple of things in this. that I will say that I, I'm not again, I'm, and these are nitpicks, ladies and gentlemen, I want, I want to make that very clear. Like, the fact that he doesn't take the Spider-Man costume does kind of make me...
0: Spider-Man threw his, his costume in the trash in a Spider-Man comic book. There's a famous he, cover about it. So, like, the I, idea I that he wouldn't take the Spider-Man costume and saying that's not Peter Parker, that's not Spider-Man, no. That's, that's I, I a just, bad take.
1: I just, I no, it's just, it's, it's, it's not a bad take, Sean. What, what I'm trying to say is that it's just something that I, I just don't necessarily see Pete doing, because again, during that time when he throws in the trash, he's going through a, it's a totally different situation.
0: This well, we don't know is, what he's going through here. Like rather, true, but, rather than saying this is not Spider Man, it's just saying that either. It, it should just, it should just provoke the, it should just prompt the question of why is he doing this? And it, it does. And that's why and, it makes me. And I think like after, if you have a Spider-Man, if you have Peter Parker, who, and I believe this is post end game, even though Sony did sure. exactly what I thought they were going to do. And they made sure there's nothing in this trailer. And we'll talk about the passport too. Uh, but there's nothing in this trailer that tells you specifically, is this after Endgame or between homecoming and infinity war, uh, Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal said during the press tour for Homecoming that the next Spider-Man film, that's this one, would take place after Avengers 4, which we now know is Avengers Endgame, but that's before this film was written. So it is possible that the plan could have changed, and this movie could be in between Homecoming and Infinity War, but I don't think it is. I think this movie is Mm -hmm. after Endgame, and so you have Peter Parker, who has died and come back. I don't know if this is going to be an Infinity Gauntlet situation where the people who got snapped didn't remember that they got snapped. Or maybe he does remember Mm. dying. Or even regardless of what he remembers, when he came back, there's probably somebody else that he... There's probably other people that he watched die. Maybe it's Tony Stark. Maybe it's Captain America. But he's gone through this trauma in Avengers Infinity War slash Endgame that is so much bigger and so much more than he was ready for. Because remember, at the very end of Homecoming, he passed on the opportunity to be an Avenger. He finally felt like, and agreed with Tony and everybody else who had been talking to him throughout the film that he actually wasn't ready for that yet. And then just as a result of the way things went down in Infinity War, he became an Avenger, not because he asked to be an Avenger, but just because he was there to help and then he was just suddenly knighted by Tony Stark to be an Avenger, and while he might have smiled about it at that moment, it was still biting off more than he could chew, and so now he comes back, and we find him after Endgame, and maybe that's part of the reason why he feels like he needs a break. Maybe he's completely fried after what happened in Avengers Endgame, and that's informing all all of the decisions that he's making very early on in this film, and so Going through everything he did in Infinity War and what I expect him to go through in Endgame, I don't think it's out of character for this Peter Parker uh, to feel like maybe he needs a vacation from being Spider-Man.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> again, you bring up a great point about seeing the context of the movie. I just, for me, I would have I preferred him to bring the costume. And maybe he still does, I don't know, because he does have the blue, red well, you, and blue you, costume. You didn't
0: watch the international trailer. I did not. Okay, so Aunt May puts it in the suitcase.
1: Okay, so uh, see, that makes me. Uh, all right. Well, whatever. I, I well, that's and that's another thing that I, again, I don't. I liked to Marissa May in Homecoming, and I don't mind doing a different Aunt May because again, we don't. I don't want the same things. i want going to that very clear. Yeah. I don't want the same things, but I will say it's a little weird to see Peter and Aunt May high fiving. And her being in on it like it's like I just that's a little weird to me like I didn't mind happy and Aunt May flirting like I would I totally don't mind that necessarily. But just the fact that she's not like again apprehensive and the fact she puts a suit in the co- in, in the in the thing I'm like eh. I mean, again these are nitpicks. I'll make that very very clear and I'm not like this is not my Spider-Man oh, this, I'm not like that at all. I'm just saying it's a, I could, People are gonna have a field day with that stuff. But you know what? for me, Let him. no, I no, I know, I know. I, I'm just saying the other people are gonna have a problem with it. I have mild, mild, very, very small issues. It's like, yeah, not I really pre- my favorite thing. But I don't
0: know. I, I prefer the Ant May situation to be the way that it is here. And again, it goes back to believing that this is after Endgame. But even if it wasn't, I don't want to watch a whole movie of. Aunt May just always saying, I really wish you weren't Spider-Man. Okay, well, I'm not going to stop being Spider-Man. I don't want to watch a whole movie of that.
1: She doesn't have to be. That, that's no, not what I want either. No,
0: and that's but that's why I like this approach. I'd rather just have Aunt May be on board with it. And right. maybe there was, I mean, we didn't see the conversation after she found out that he was see, exactly. Spider-Man at the end ah. of the upcoming. But maybe we will. Or maybe yeah, they'll talk about, mm-hmm. how, maybe... You know, in, in even if we don't see that specific scene, maybe there will be some other conversation that refers back to the point that maybe when Aunt May initially found out that he was Spider-Man, that she didn't like the idea. Who would like the idea of their nephew? But really, Peter's her son. So who mm-hmm. would li- who would like that? That their son is going out and putting himself directly in harm's way. Nobody's going to be a fan of that. Uh, but if after, you know, given time and Peter talking to her and obviously showing that he has abilities that other people don't, uh, that he's capable of defending himself, especially in the context of being a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, then I could see her coming around to that idea, especially if she sees that Spider-Man has the ability to help people in ways that aren't just physically violent situations. Like he can show up at a charity event to help the homeless. Like, I, I love that. Let's expand on the idea of what Spider-Man can do and how Spider-Man can help people and, and have Aunt May embrace that. And some things in a modern context, it just works. Like Tony Stark immediately saying, or not immediately, but in the very first Iron Man film, it closes out with, I am Iron Man. We, From the very beginning, we've been doing things differently in the MCU. It's still faithful to the core of who these characters are, but there are certain things that have been changed. And, and I would say that in the case of Spider-Man slash Peter Parker, I don't think any departures here... Uh, are any bigger or more severe than the departures we've seen with other characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And maybe in this case, some people might care about it more because they're bigger Spider-Man fans. So they care more about sticking to the source material for Spider-Man than they do for someone else. But I mean, ultimately that's kind of more of their issue than it is Marvel's issue. They're continuing to be faithful while also taking, uh, you know, taking some liberties in order to be able to, tell their own stories, especially in the case of Spider-Man, where there are so many other films that exist with this character. So you got to do things differently. And you also want to update certain aspects of the story mm-hmm. uh, so that it fits with a modern audience.
1: And that's the thing. I want to make that very clear for people. You know, it's funny because I listen to other Spider-Man podcasts and other Spider-Man sites, which I don't want to name. I want to call anyone out. But there's a lot of people who do didn't necessarily love homecoming and i definitely liked it more than they did and i'm like man it's just, it's a bummer because you want everyone to be accepting and not everyone has to be i want to make that very clear if you didn't love homecoming because it wasn't you know your spider man or whatever i get it i understand it like I, I i totally get it i don't agree with it and this is where i'm gonna you know Will I agree with everything, every, everything they do in Far From Home? It remains to be seen. I'd see it in context, like you said, Sean. And I'm going to be very open to it because I was open to everything, everything they did in Homecoming for the most part. There wasn't really anything in Homecoming that I was like, this is ridiculous. I totally got why Iron Man was in it. And again, those, these were all reasons because Sony wanted to have the avengers show up in their movie to add you know sales and to prove that this is part of the mcu which is a whole reason why he's in it in the first place i understood that and then, and they made it work in a story reason and just like with this with aunt may no again i like the idea of her knowing but just the fact they're like all like super buddy buddy about it is kind of weird and like you said we haven't seen that conversation i want to see everything in context and I, I like i said i may not love every decision i may understand it and maybe Again, in the MCU continuity, it it makes more sense possibly. And I definitely will defend that point to a lot of people is that I get and I think other people don't understand. And I want to yell at these people that, yes, because Spider-Man starts so much later, everything has to be kind of as a reaction to the Avengers. He has to look up to the Avengers. He has has to idolize the Avengers, whereas, you know, in the original comic books, he's kind of coming around the same time as everyone else is. So, yeah. I don't. I I totally get. I totally get. Um, I I see both sides of it, and that's where I'm saying I'm nitpicking because again, I'm gonna wait and see what they're giving me in this, and I totally get why, you know, everyone be like, "Dude, chill out," or "Dude, this is lame." I totally get both no, sides. I, I, and
0: no, I do. I do too. I mean, even though I'm defeating every argument they could throw out, I I do understand <laughs> why people feel the way that they do, and this is something that is. I think, very unique amongst comic book characters who are getting big screen adaptations. I think in the case of Spider-Man and Batman and Superman, I think with those three, because they have been so popular for so long, and they've also been adapted in different mediums for such a long period of time, they've had more mainstream exposure than most of these characters than most of these characters have had by far. I think if you just go back and, and look through it and because of that, you have more people who have an even stronger idea in their own mind of what is and isn't right for the character. So coming from the world of, uh, you know, starting my career in podcasting and writing about this stuff on a Batman site and being before that an admin on a message board for that, for a Batman site, And you see these debates and participate in these debates about what is and isn't right for Batman and seeing more of that for Batman in the wake of the DCEU era. And then you see that also with Superman in the post-Man of Steel era. And now you see this with the MCU with Spider-Man. You don't really get these kinds of debates, and certainly not uh, as frequently and not with the same level of intensity for Iron Man and the Guardians of the Galaxy and Aquaman and Black Panther, because there just aren't as many people who have as much of a, you know, fully formed idea in their head of who those characters are supposed to be. That's been informed by their favorite stories across different mediums uh, for, you know, their entire lives. It's just different with, I think, Spider-Man, Batman and Superman, I, I think, and which in some ways that makes it harder. Uh, so, I totally understand why this kind of stuff, uh, I think, happens uh, when it comes to having, you know, purists of, you know, I don't even like calling them purists, but if that's how they identify themselves, fine. Well,
1: that's what they uh, would say, them. yeah.
0: Fine. Uh, but that's not necess- but, like, that's why you have people who feel so strongly that it needs to be this certain way, and it shouldn't be, uh, you know, it, it shouldn't have all these different liberties and departures and things like that that you see in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but... Not that many there aren't enough people to really care about it when you see a departure in Black Panther or uh you know or right. Drax the Destroyer.
1: Yeah, and I think that again, this is why I, I'm I don't fall in that camp, Sean, whereas I'm like, this is not my Spider Man. You know, I'm not like that because like Drax, like Drax has gone through different iterations and things like that. And again, the core of it is there, and I and I feel that's ultimately the most important thing. And I feel it's there. And I feel that like in Homecoming, they did a great job of teaching Peter to be, you know, to push himself. Like, again, he had his raising the 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 rubble uh, scene, which I loved. And I know I, there was criticism of, you know, why did he think of Tony Stark and not Uncle Ben during that part? You know, and again, like. In that moment it's just different because of the of, the, of the, what we're given in the in that continuity of the MCU it, whatever right so again, I totally get the essence of what they're doing, and I think the core is still there in spider man is it one hundred percent perfect of what I would do in, in in a translation as far as if they consulted me. I would say it's pretty close, but not everything. Just like sure. a lot of things out there, but at the same time, I do definitely feel like they diff. They have nailed the character to for the most part, and I feel. And again, and when I say that 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 far from home is. Like even building off of Homecoming, I really do mean that. But it's but they are building off of different kind of vibes and things that normally doesn't happen in Spider-Man comics. Again, not necessarily a bad thing, and you're seeing that build off of into Far From Home in this one little trailer we've got. So, I, and again, I'm preparing myself for again. This is not going to be exactly a clean cut version of Spider-Man that I have exactly in my head. And I have to know that because again, Spider-Man doesn't belong to me. If anything that Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse showed me is that Spider-Man, anyone can be Spider-Man. That means anything and any, you know, all these different iterations of Spider-Man, uh, you know, and Spider-Women, you know, live on and and, and everyone views things differently. And that's the beauty again of bringing Spider-Verse because it's an amazing film, literally an amazing film. Um, is, it, it it really doubles down on, in my opinion, that shows you that this is not every spider mans going to be exactly the same. And I feel like it actually really actually helps me, even though, again, I loved Homecoming. It helps me accept what I see in Far From Home for the most part. Again, I'm nitpicking when I say those things. But at the same time, I'm going to be true to myself and still say like, yeah. And then I don't know how I feel about it right now. But again, Spider-Verse movies like that. They really do show you that this is not Spider-Man's evolving right now. And I think that's the biggest thing that 2018 has shown us. And Homecoming, let's be real, even though it came out a year before, it's kind of like the 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 what's the word the uh the pre-show if you will it kind of started preparing us like hey spider-man's gonna start evolving here real soon he already had with miles morales back you know and back a while ago years ago but now it's really getting kicked into high gear that you know spider-man is not going to be the same and that it's he is developing he is you know evolving into different things and different forms for different generations and i think it's really exciting i think that homecoming was kind of like the precursor if you will and i think with into this spider-verse it really opened up and the ps4 game which we, i know we eventually have to talk about people are asking me about it sean and and i told people not we're gonna do it you haven't I,
0: finished the game i know
1: <laughs> i still haven't finished it i don't <laughs> you know what we're going to have to do? And, and I've already told Chris, Chris, we're still going to have you on because I have to finish the game. And he's been very patient with me. I have to give myself a deadline to finish this game. That's the only way it's going to happen. So but before the end of the show, give me a deadline and we'll, and I'll have it done by then. But anyway, but he really is going through a change in, in evolving. And I think it's really exciting for the character. Like,
0: yeah.
1: you know, as, as being a hardcore Spider-Man fan, like far from home and these different things we're getting, like this is bringing Spider-Man to a whole different like – level. And I have to be ready for the fact that he is evolving and he is not going to be the same character that I grew up on necessarily 100%. And that's fun.
0: And and the Spider-Man that you would have read in, you know, the 1990s when you were a kid probably wasn't the exact same Spider-Man that people read in the 1960s, you know, like,
1: and they were,
0: Hmm? it's, you know, it's, it's easy enough to understand the evolution of a character. Uh, you know, when you look at it from the you know, when you look at it from like, you know, the thirty thousand feet level, but then when you're like you're there watch, watching it as it's happening, then yeah, there can be those growing pains and people can have gripes about it. But no, I, I think what's happening in the Marvel Cinematic universe, to your point, I mean it's it's just continuing that idea of this character is going to evolve, but the character's not you know, the core of who this character is, of who Peter Parker is, I think that remains. And I, I think Marvel Studios is is staying true to that as they so often do with these characters in the Marvel cinematic universe. And, and I think we see that uh, we, I think we saw that in Spider-Man homecoming. We saw it in infinity war and in civil war. And I think we get a glimpse of it again in this trailer. And that's the other thing to keep in mind for as much as people want to say, I can piece together mm-hmm. the whole movie. Well, there's also conclusions being made that are, that are based on things that we actually don't have context for, including why Peter Parker wants to leave the suit behind in, um, in the beginning of this trailer. So uh, I think there are still some questions that can be, that will of course be answered in this film. Uh, And and I think really I'm seeing Peter Parker here. I'm just still getting a kick out of Tom Holland in this role. I think he's so fantastic and and I love everything Mm -hmm. that, uh, that this trailer is uh, setting up. I know it's a big shocker when Sean likes a Marvel Studios trailer, but I'm like it's not my fault that they keep making good trailers and good, and then delivering with good movies. That's just it's Marvel's fault. Yeah. Don't, don't blame me. Um, so you know, don't blame me for having good taste. There's nothing I can. Yeah, do you, there's nothing I can do about it. Um, yeah,
1: you know, Tom Holland does do a really good job as as Peter Parker, and I think that what's unfortunate yeah, yeah. is that. Go ahead, Sean. No,
0: I mean, it's just he he embodies Peter Parker, like, just completely. I mean, I will never forget that feeling of watching Captain America Civil War for the first time. And Mm. we go to Queens, because the marketing was Spider-Man in Civil War. We weren't seeing Peter Parker. Uh, You know, we just had that shot of Spider-Man with Cap's shield, uh, you know, the Hey Everyone bit from the trailer. We didn't really have Tom Holland as Peter Parker. And so when he walks in the apartment he turns around and we see his face. Uh, and I'm just like, Oh my God, that's Peter Parker. And then he starts talking. Oh my God, that's Peter Parker. <laughs> like It was, uh, he's just so natural in, in the role. And I think we continue, uh, we continue to see that here. And I, and I love that, you know, everything about it and that there's still so much here that's new to Peter Parker. I mean, as you mentioned, the way he reacts mm-hmm. to Nick Fury, like, holy crap, this guy's a legend, and Peter Parker probably knows who he is, but maybe doesn't know that much about him. So in some ways, because a lot of the world has thought that Nick Fury is dead um, ever since mm-hmm. Captain America, the Winter Soldier. I don't know how many people are aware that Nick Fury is alive, and I don't know if that's something that Peter Parker is aware of or not. Uh, so, But even if he knows Nick Fury is alive, in some ways, Nick Fury probably almost feels like a ghost story to Peter Parker, uh, and then all of a sudden there he is. And he, by the way, just tranked his friend with a dart in the neck. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty crazy introduction for Peter Parker to uh, Nick Fury. Uh, but I just love uh, I love these moments of Peter, you know, realizing, you know, just getting deeper and deeper into this big world of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Obviously, he's seen it get like as big as it possibly can in a battle in space with Thanos, but. At the same time, like there are still certain things that are going to intimidate him and shock him, and and uh, and including you know some of the elemental creatures that we see and some of the big action beats Mm -hmm. that it looks like that's going to set up. Uh, I think there's a lot of great stuff here, but I want to move on and spend some time talking about the man of the hour, Mysterio. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm.
0: Jesus, that costume! Yeah, dude. Once again, shout out to. I'm not sure who the costume designer is on the movie. I'll have to look that up, but. Uh, Ryan Minerding is the head of visual development, again, as I said, at Marvel Studios, so I'm sure these designs were, uh, he had a lot to do with that, and hats off, because that Mysterio costume looks unbelievable, and in true Marvel Studios fashion, they put the fishbowl in there. I know it wasn't there when he first showed up, because it's the typical movie thing that we're going to get a lot Mm -hmm. of shots of people without their masks and their headgear, Mm -hmm. fine, I'll deal with it. Uh, I don't care. I don't really need the fish. as long as I'm getting the fishbowl some of the time. I'm happy because we certainly we could have wound up with no fishbowl, but this is Marvel, and once again, there. Does the fishbowl look stupid and silly? Maybe. Nope. Well, no. I don't <laughs> like, think so. It's like I don't think so. Well, no, but like, would no, no, no. The end result is no, it doesn't. But like, I'm just talking about theoretically. Would a guy oh, with a yes. fishbowl on his head look dumb? I don't know. Yes. He might, but he always looked pretty cool in yeah. the comics. So let's see. And that's, that's the Marvel Studios way is they're going to try it and they're going to see. Now, some, there are some things that they've tried to do from the comics that they couldn't make work or haven't been able to make work. Like they tried to give Scarlet Witch a headband and they couldn't find a way or some sort of headgear in the MCU and they haven't found a way to make that work and make it look good. But they're always going to try. And so they tried with the fishbowl. They found a way to make it look uh, good and it looks great in this, that costume design. It's just, it's fantastic. It's a dream come true. This is exactly mm-hmm. what I was hoping for. This is so comic booky, just so fantastical. Like I, everything about this is what I was dreaming of when we found out several months ago uh, that not only was Jake Gyllenhaal in talks to be in this movie, but the role that he was in talks to play was Mysterio. Uh, which, as I said before, Mysterio was uh, coming into this film. Mysterio was number two on my list for Spider-Man villains that I wanted to see in this series. Number one was Kraven, and apparently Sony's still developing a solo movie for whatever the hell with that. Uh, So that's off the table. So next on the list is Mysterio, and I am thrilled with what I'm seeing of uh, Mysterio in this Far From Home trailer.
1: Yeah, this this was always the character that I thought would be the hardest to... Not bring on the the, the screen. I, I to be honest, I always thought the fishbowl could work on screen, you know. But I I just for his powers based, it, they're weird, and I'm really intrigued with this trailer of what they what they're giving us with Mysterio. And it's it's very it still seems true. You see the smoke around him, mm-hmm. the green. It's it, you know he's still it's green smoke, but still like there's green smoke with with uh, Mysterio in the comic books he has all kinds of different smokes but anyway um my point is that you know this the character himself is a tough like just power level like you know a physical match for spider-man like you really need to figure out how it's all going to work out basically and what we're seeing here is that he's got a suit like it's almost. And again, because we were in the MCU continuity, he's not just wearing a costume. He's wearing a suit like it's mm-hmm. a metal suit. So, again, you have the fishbowl. Well, I think obviously the fishbowl is just like Iron Man's helmet. Like it just kind of comes up and comes off like, yep. you know what I mean? Like what he wants. So just like when he goes into battle, he goes in battle with the fishbowl. But when he's just hanging out talking, he's going to have it off, if, you know, just like Tony would in, in the Iron Man and yep. Avengers film. So to me, that what was evident through this trailer, I went okay, hundred percent. So if you, you know, if you look at the actual costume of Jake Gyllenhaal, it is just, it is to me, in my opinion, pitch perfect, like one hundred percent. Mysterio. I mean, you can't, to me, it's like, I actually really like the gold. It normally doesn't have the gold, um, on the front. It's all green, but I actually really like the gold they gave them. Um, the gold, yeah.
0: just, the gold helps the green pop because no, totally, if the green was all by itself, then it would just look like this green unitard
1: that Mm -hmm. he's wearing Mm -hmm.
0: but because you have the gold then like yeah the green just it's the green that's in the suit stands out that much more and it's still a lot of green in the suit
1: right and so here's the cool thing about this costume it's pretty much comic accurate, with the exception of the gold plating mm. on the on the chest. You've got the gold, yellow, gold gloves. The, you have the little eye things, which I think those potentially could be what the um what the thing co- the the fishbowl may come out of. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but it connects to a purple cape. The even the green lining on the costume is accurate. Like. This thing is not like the vulture. Again, vulture costume in the movie is one thousand times better than the comic book. So make that very clear. This is like the, the exact opposite from the vulture costume. That it's pretty much comic accurate, with the exception of like the chest plate, yeah. which again is like. To, I, I think this is an improvement. Like to be honest, and, it, and it, it, people know I'm a costume guy. Like our friend Justin rips on me all the time. If it's not you know costume accurate, I'm, you know without a costume, why'd I like, even care? You know so. And he always rips me for it, but I don't care. I'm like, I'm a costume guy. And to me, if you can't nail a costume, then pff, see you later. I'm not giving it time. And yeah. this, this to me is, I, to me, the best, like as, as of right now, as I look at Jake Jelen Hall without his fishbowl, what can, but I imagine a big giant fishbowl on his head right now. I love the costume. I think it looks great. So I would love to see this in the comic books, like, straight up. Like, they've done different uh, – well, not a lot. There's been a few renditions of, of Mysterio, and I thought they'd go that um, sensational Spider-Man clone saga era where they have, like, the smoke around his head. Hmm. But no, they're, they're going full fishbowl, which is great. Like, you always go full fishbowl, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes, so, absolutely. Yeah, so, right. So, I, to me, this is – fantastic and i think you know eric larson who is uh draws uh the and writes the savage Dra- uh, dragon comic book also drew and wrote spider-man comics in the 90s in one of my favorite spider-man artists he wrote like you, you know you automatically knew that you know when they cast jake Jellenhall he wouldn't have the the helmet on very much and, you know to me i i don't mind it i don't need the help the fishbowl on his head the whole time but no. it needs to have like some kind of purpose, and needs to have it because that's that what makes the character Mysterio. Right. But to me, I will say with with the with the information we got from the I think Brazil or was it right? It was, was the Brazil Comic-Con. Yeah. That was, they were. at, Yeah.
0: And it and it backs up what we see here. You know, the idea that Mysterio mm-hmm. is positioning himself as a hero right now. Exactly, and so. so that would be a guy who shows his face because most of the heroes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe show their face. I know Spider Man doesn't show his face publicly, but most of them do. Uh, so it kind of it makes sense, and and also uh, when I first read those descriptions and and also some of Jake Gyllenhaal's comments talking about him, you know, Quentin Beck, Mysterio being brought in by Fury as an expert, Mm -hmm. you know, and working with Peter Parker because uh, Mysterio is an expert in these elemental creatures. And I thought, okay, so here's the plot of the movie. Mysterio is the one who's creating these things because this is his special effects wizardry. So, you know, he's behind them in some way, how he's doing it. You got me. Because nobody Mm -hmm. can do that. (laughs) Like A lot of that Mm -hmm. stuff, that doesn't look like smoke and mirrors. That looks like full-blown magic if he's making that stuff happen. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know how he's doing it, but he's behind it in some way or connected to it in some way. And he's doing it to position himself as a hero. But it actually makes his costume make a ton of sense. Like, why Mm -hmm. would a villain, and villains are usually disguising their plots and stuff like that. Like, why would a villain wear this kind of costume. Uh, You know, in some cases for some characters, it's just automatic because it's ingrained in who they are. Like the Joker is always going to be in, you know, he's always going to look like a clown, but for some characters, like it, it grounds the, it actually grounds this crazy costume because a guy who wants the world to think of him as a superhero would totally put on a costume that actually looks more like a superhero costume than a supervillain costume. Uh, and so mm-hmm. it, it you know with the cape and the whole thing, and even the kids, like they back that up in the little clip at the very end they 're saying like he looks like a cross between Iron Man and thor uh, so it to like to me, that makes the whole costume make all the sense in the world, and then it 's just a matter to uh for me anyway of uh, how is Marvel Studios going to make the least surprising villain turn in the history of superhero movies interesting, and I think I actually think they might pull it off.
1: Yeah, this is... I have a couple theories. Can I, can I discuss them? Is that okay? Yes, that's why a, we're here. Oh, okay. I just want to make sure. I don't yeah.
0: know if we're saving
1: this or, or if I don't no, want to... No, no, but no. So, We're going to talk about other it,
0: stuff in the Patreon credit scene. But thank you for segueing to another helpful plug.
1: No problem. I, I, I'm becoming very good at plugging and shamelessly plugging things. Um, no, one of the things I think that we're going <coughs> to... Excuse me. One of the things I think that is going to be different with Mysterio is I think Marvel... The um, Kevin Feige and company have changed his powers. I don't know if Mysterio is going to be necessarily the master of illusion, but the master of altering things to make you think you think what you're seeing or or basically. Mm. So I don't think he's going to be the master of illusions. I think he's going to be the master of manipulating like, oh, I can control the elements, right? Like I can control fire and I can control water through these Mm. little pyramid things that you're seeing in his helmet and in his um uh whatever it is the it right. is little slope thing you see him and you see him all like positioning things i think that he he's controlling the elements with his costume in some way and giving people the the imp, the uh idea that these things are alive and that's why he's an expert Yep. that's what I think he's doing and I, i'm sure they're gonna have a, there's gonna be an element of illusion in there but that's what he's doing and so i don't think it's gonna be a 100 again the peers are gonna be like that's my Mysterio. but again i'm not i don't care mysterio's yeah. power levels are always kind of weak to be honest yeah. I, I always
0: love the costume well, and there are i mean but, there are physical things happening like when the exactly. hydro man looking thing happens like that's a real huge like Wall of water that slams into Peter Parker, like when you see the molten man-looking thing, like that's actual, you know, lava that's coming, you know, that's that's coming out of him. So like, there's a certain, you know, element of this that's that's real, and I mean it's captured on camera and part of a newscast. So I don't think it's a it's a spell to make people think they're seeing things. But I like your idea though of the way as yeah he's definitely i think he's definitely the one doing this or or connected to it somehow obviously and I, yeah, yeah, yeah and i yeah. like your i like your thought though of maybe he has a way of manip- you know whatever he has in his suit he has some way of uh manipulating uh the elements so yeah he creates the threat and then he solves the threat but yeah that's totally why he's the the expert in them is because he's mm-hmm. connected to it and probably the one causing it i mean the only thing that would be Shocking in this respect is if Mysterio is not a villain, but I got to say I, I don't want that. <laughs> like I want him to, yeah, be, yeah, yeah. I want him to be an antagonist because I want this to come down to uh, Spider-Man versus Mysterio. But here's my question for you. So yes, sir, we're both on board with this idea that that obviously you know Mysterio is behind this and he's the villain. Of course. So does, does this make Nick Fury the dumbest guy ever?
1: Well, Could I have you, a like, theory for this who too.
0: Brings him in. Like, why is Nick Fury? Uh, you know, why is it, how is Nick Fury getting duped? Because this is, it, it's not a, it could potentially, I'm not saying, cause we still, there's still too much that we don't know, but, uh, there's the potential here that Nick Fury could be looking really bad after having to watch S.H.I.E.L.D. be completely dismantled because, you know, he and, and everybody else had no idea that S.H.I.E.L.D. was basically half Hydra the whole time. Uh, and now Mm -hmm. he finally comes back and he seems to be in charge of another covert organization, whether that's shield 2.0 or something Mm -hmm. else going by another name. Uh, and now Mm -hmm. he's the one bringing in an expert, uh, to deal with some threat. And it's the guy who's actually behind the threat. So I want to know what your theory is. The only other there, I have a couple things, but the one theory that I have Mm -hmm. is that Nick Fury is not a dope and this is maybe more a matter of Nick Fury works in mysterious ways because he sometimes does of mm-hmm. keeping your friends close, but your enemies closer And mm-hmm. that in order to figure out what Quentin Beck is actually doing and how he's doing it. That's why Nick Fury is bringing him in.
1: Okay. So mine's really radical and I, I don't think you're going to be into it and I, I, I think it's a long shot, but I think it's possible. What if, Maria Hill and Nick Fury aren't those people. What if they're actors that are paid by Mysterio to set this all up? Potentially.
0: Well, they're, would have to know Peter's Spider-Man, I guess. I, I, I kind can't of remember the, that. I can't remember the name of the actor, but there was somebody who, when he was cast, uh, one of the reports was that potentially he was chameleon in this. So mm-hmm. and that also came up on the Q and a, for the Patreon, was somebody asked if maybe there's a chance that it's Chameleon uh, who's working for Mysterio, and I have to say that there is a chance. It's it's on the list of things that are possible right now, but I still lean towards thinking, at least for a good chunk of this film, this is Nick Fury. Um, mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. the other thing that people are probably shouting is what if he's a scroll? and I'm like, well, no, yeah, no, I, I no, 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 possible no. too, but I, I'd rather not. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I I just hope that it's not. uh, I hope there is some explanation other than Nick Fury got duped, because if he got duped, Mm -hmm. then that's just not a good look for him as he's making his comeback as a director of some sort of, you know, shield or whatever again.
1: I have, oh man, I'm I've got. I've got another crazy theory. What if the chameleon is somehow related to the the scrolls in this story? Like he's not a scroll himself, but what if like he gets like some kind of thing from that? Anyway, I'm, I'm going crazy yeah. here. Uh, <laughs> but no, leads, but, but yeah, but no, no, but no. But, and I think it, there's a small chance that, that that Nick Fury may not be, or at least he's not going to be the same Nick Fury the entire time. Yeah, that's possible. I think. I think there's something there because that's one thing that Mysterio has done in the comic books. He's kind of yeah. taken, you know.
0: Maybe it's a, just, a fake Nick Fury who shows up and recruits Peter Parker and says, hey, this is the guy you're working with. And this is the guy you're supposed to trust. And then the real mm-hmm. Nick Fury shows up and is like, hey, yeah, no, that's not me. <laughs> like, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Possible. All it's, right. I'll take accessible.
1: that. I, I think there's something like that. There's there's going to be a reveal of someone's not who they are besides Mysterio. Yeah. In this movie. I, I'm just going to say that. That's my prediction.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. Maybe Nick Fury is also someone's dad. I don't know. Uh, oh, my. <laughs> but uh, a couple other things I want to uh, talk about. Um, so in terms of the timeline, uh, I already spoke about why I think this is after Endgame, even though it's still theoretically possible that the movie is you know, before Infinity War. Um, but let's talk about The Passport. Uh, just because I saw mm. this come up uh, partially because I brought it up. Uh, so I love that Peter's birthday on the passport is August 10th, which was the publication date of amazing fantasy 15. That's just like the Marvel, that's a Marvel studios touch. That's just perfect. And exactly what Marvel studios does. Um, but the other thing is, and uh, people pointing out, well, there are no dates on the passport. And so there have been, you know, a lot of people have just assumed that the reason there are no dates shown on the passport is because they don't want us to know. They, they think it, it, the theory is that it's just about when this movie takes place, and I honestly don't know if that's going to be true. I mean, maybe we will. See, we will see, you know, the year issued and year expiration and all that stuff on the uh, on the passport when we see the movie. But it wouldn't shock me if we don't, uh, because mm-hmm. it wouldn't surprise me at all if Marvel. This is just another. Uh, you know, another example of Marvel when they can maybe just trying to avoid uh, putting hard dates on things in these movies, because it kind of helps when you can slide the continuity a bit um, as far Mm -hmm. as when exactly things happen, what year things took place. They've been doing this in the comic books for decades and the longer the Marvel cinematic universe goes on, the more they kind of need to do stuff like that. So while it is possible that the the years being absent from this passport, it could only be about you know protecting whether the, you know uh, making sure people don't know when this movie is taking place uh, relative to Avengers Endgame slash Infinity War. Uh, I again, I just I think maybe it's it's about more than that, and it's just about making sure that 20 years from now, if the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going going or just 10 years from now, that it's not uh, mm-hmm. it's not a hard place in time where this movie is is happening.
1: That's exactly what I thought too, Sean. And I remember seeing John Campia and again, this is not an indictment on him by any means, but he was just like, what if, you know, I'm very curious why. And I'm like, dude, it, it, to me, it's obvious. It, it's all continuity. They don't want to be beholden to, well, this takes place exactly on this year because this year and that year, they don't want to get involved in that. Cause when you ever, you start in continuity, putting exact dates on things, you're in trouble. Anyone who does, I mean,
0: there are some exact dates on things in sure in in the MCU, but you can certain. But I think there have been, I mean, not that I've got the statistical analysis to fully back this up, and I'd have to go through all the movies again, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, But uh, it it feels to me like we've gotten fewer and fewer examples of things, you know, being like this is definitely the year it's taking place in. Uh, I think Marvel's been a little more relaxed with the timeline as they've gone on. Because uh, similar to the mm-hmm. comics, though, the comics, things were happening, you know, it, you had, I think, harder timelines in comics when it was first happening. But the more continuity you get, the more space you got to give yourself to slide things, you know, to move things around. And so I think I mean, we'll know for sure when, when Far From Home comes out. And if we see years on the passport in the movie, then we know it was just about Infinity War and, and Endgame. But if there are no years on the passport, then we know it had nothing to do with those movies and it has everything to do with. Uh, you know, what's going to happen, you know, it has everything to do with really more of the future of the MCU than than the movie that, you know, came out right before this one.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Now, last thing that I want to make sure we touch on before we get out of here. Uh, let's talk about that building that's under construction behind Grand Central Station, <laughs> in <laughs> this trailer. I can only think of two buyers because we go back to Homecoming and we were mm-hmm. told in that film that, Tony Stark already sold Avengers Towers, and they were getting all their stuff out. And that's the whole climactic finale to Homecoming. So I've only got two buyers in mind. There's, I'm sure there are other potential buyers, but it's, I think it's 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 Oscorp or the Baxter Foundation. It's one of those two. Right.
1: Hmm. So yeah, I, I, I you got to think that that uh, Kevin Feige had a, a plan. With with that was with, with selling that building and with with endgame happening and Tony Stark kind of you know one way or another retiring from the main spotlight of the MCU uh, this is setting up something and you're right there there are there's something coming up and maybe Kevin Feige knew that the Marvel deal was coming down the pike and he was like you know what I know it and if I have to I can just disregard it as nothing if people, you know, as are we yeah. or I can have as a as a backdrop for, um, you know, I, Green I Goblin totally, to come
0: down. Yeah, I totally think in Homecoming, when they made the decision to sell the uh, when they made the decision to sell Avengers Tower. Well, they already established in Ultron that it wasn't going to be in New York anymore. They moved to Avengers Compound. So it was already set mm-hmm. up that they wouldn't necessarily need that space anymore. But when they have make the decision in Homecoming to say that they were going to sell it, I don't know if they knew who the buyer would be. I think they had, you know, potential buyers, but it might have just been one of those things of let's just plant this here, and then as soon as something cool comes up, we'll do it. And mm-hmm. so, you know, something cool that came up would either be Oscorp when they finally decided to bring the Osborns into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or even if Kevin Feige in the back of his mind thought maybe we would do Oscorp, maybe it turned into a thing of well, now we have. The Fantastic Four. Now we might actually have space for a Baxter Building. So, right. uh, you know, there may not have been a hard plan, or even if there was, maybe it changed. I mean, I'd, I to me, it's a coin flip between Oscorp and and the Baxter and the Baxter Building at this point.
1: Yeah, that's kind of where I'm with you too. And I I've, I tend to think it might be more Fantastic Four related because with Spider-Man being so up in the air now with, with the success of Venom and Into the Spider Verse. You know, for better or for worse, people, if you hated Venom, Venom was successful uh, financially. So, you know, Spider Man's not going anywhere right now. Unless Sony really is being, you know, is thinking about selling all their properties. But with the announcement of Ghostbusters movie that just happened today, I don't think Sony Entertainment's going anywhere. So I think they're going to be in charge of Spider Man for another uh, long while. And we're going to be getting that.
0: Yeah, the not just Sony entertainment, but like their Sony proper, the CEO, I think he was talking at CES Mm -hmm. last week and he mentioned, you know, they're not moving away from entertainment anytime soon. And that doesn't mean that Sony won't get sold by the way. (laughs) But like, uh, and, and it, it just, there's a whole lot of things that would, you know, that are hypotheticals when it comes to the Spider-Man rights. Like if Sony, if Sony sells their movie studio or their entire entertainment division to another company, Does that mean the Spider-Man rights would carry over with the, you know, the the new owner of Sony Pictures? Or is there language in the contract that makes it non-transferable and the license would automatically revert back to Marvel and Disney? And if the, you know, and and if the rights are non-transferable, then if Sony knows that somebody's going to buy them at some point anyway, it kind of makes sense to sell the Spider-Man rights back to Disney and Marvel first rather than losing them for free uh, in the event of an eventual acquisition. But I don't think Sony right now is planning to sell off their entertainment division. Um, I do think something happened though. I mean, I was only talking about this on the Patreon cause it was, you know, a paranoid hunch or whatever, but uh, <laughs> I, I did think that something, something was up because this trailer was cut and yeah. it was shown at a con in Brazil. There was a lot of talk that it was going to be, that it was going to drop in December. And then all of a sudden it didn't. And I don't know what that was. Maybe that was just purely Sony's call of saying, you know, that we basically there there's part of me that thinks that maybe they didn't want the live action Spider-Man to overshadow the animated Spider-Man film, maybe not wanting to send a message to audiences to make them think, well, let's just not go watch the animated one. Cause we can watch a lot of Spider-Man cartoons for free on television let's save our money for the new live action Spider-Man film. There's a part of me that had that thought, but all the signs still pointed to them trying to drop a trailer in December. And then all of a sudden it seemed like they changed their mind. So part of me started thinking if what are the reason they changed their mind is they put their marketing plans on hold pending new negotiations with Disney and Marvel studios. And those, I didn't know if those negotiations were going to be about Disney and Marvel trying to buy the Spider-Man rights, because actually the best time for Sony to sell the Spider-Man rights, I'll just say it's right now because that license mm-hmm. is never going to be more valuable than it is right now coming off of Venom and Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I think it can only go down from here if Morbius comes out in 2020 and nobody cares. So uh, I think you know the peak value is now, but even if it's not about selling the rights, just getting the extension, I- I'm starting to feel more confident that there is an extension past Spider-Man Far From Home. But even if there isn't, Oscorp actually makes plenty of sense, even without an extension, mm-hmm. because... Oscorp carries forward. Uh, You know, Sony can make a movie with Oscorp in it. They can pay that off. If Marvel Studios sets it up in far from home and then Sony doesn't want to work with Marvel studios anymore. Well, they still have full rights to you for Oscorp to be that building in the middle of New York, Uh, but they wouldn't be able to follow up on it. If it's the Baxter building, that would be Marvel studios property. And plus technically the Disney Fox deal isn't closed. So right now, there can't be a line saying that that's the Baxter building. Now the Disney Fox deal is expected to close, you know, the latest reports say March. And I think that's what Disney is feeling that they're going to wrap it up in the first quarter. So still a few months before far from home comes out. So plenty of time for them to go back and add a line of dialogue or even if they, or shoot a post credit scene, or even if they don't want to go that far, just have a construct, just add digitally a construction sign, you know, a sign on a fence, you know, at the construction site that says Baxter Foundation. So, I mean, they would ha- in theory have the time to say that it's the Baxter building, but there is that part of me that thinks maybe even though I still would call it a coin flip, it's, maybe it is a little bit more in favor of, of Oscorp just because that's something that Sony knows they can work with regardless of what they decide to do with Marvel in the future.
1: Yeah, I think th- I mean those to me are the the, the main ones, and I th- I think that Osborne, we'll see. I, I I really do think that Sony will keep Mar- Spider Man in the MCU for now. I I really do. I think, I think so we'll too. see. I a think third. at least one, I,
0: I, th- I think at least one more.
1: One more. Yeah, I think we'll at least get one more, and we'll see where the MCU is after that. If they're still cooking out huge hits like Black Panther and Thor Ragnarok and and the next Avengers film, minus the you know. Captain America and and Tony Stark Iron Man minus all that stuff and they're still able to uh you know generate money then and they have their Venom verse, and they can, you know, they have their cake and eat it too with all those characters, and make some money, and maybe throw in a different Spider-Man because they've already established that there's different Spider-Man in different universes. They into the Spider Verse, an amazing mm-hmm. film. I mean, I really think they can have their cake and eat it too, and and have a bunch of, you know, their own Spider-Man verse, and also make some extra money with Spider-Man, and just by letting them Marvel have them in a couple movies here and there. I mean, and maybe it gets, it'll get to the point where Marvel will be like, you know what? We don't want to make Spider-Man movies and be like, here, you go, have well, them. I Mar- don't think that's Marvel, ever going to
0: happen. Uh, well, Marvel's never gone past three solo movies for anybody. So, uh, you know, they Marvel might be. I mean, Tom Holland's contract is done with the next Spider-Man solo film. So who knows what happens after that? Maybe he would re up. Maybe he wouldn't. So, um, right. I mean, it's there are a lot of unknowns there, but you know that. As the press tour happens, maybe it won't even take that long, although Kevin Feige won't answer anything until after Endgame. But it's going to come up, you know, at the latest, it's going to come up during the press tour for Spider Man uh, Far From Home. And, you know, the questions will be there as to whether or not this is the last one or if there's an extension. And that doesn't mean that they're going to give the answer. They might say it's this is still the last one. And then we're, you know, negotiations are pending, even if they've already finish the negotiations and they're just not going to announce it until like a Comic-Con or D23 or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I hope that there is an extension just to finish up Tom Holland's contract because they've, they've talked about doing a trilogy with uh, this iteration of the character with Tom Holland and the MCU. And I hope we get to see that through, especially if we are setting up something with uh, Oscorp or the Baxter building it. And, and by the way, we should also say that just because we're seeing the, just because we're seeing Avengers tower, under construction and far from home doesn't mean we would find out who the buyer is in far from home. It may still be a mystery that they're leaving out there and they're just updating. And this is just a reminder, Hey, this question is still out there as far as who bought this building and then they can Mm -hmm. pay it off later. I will say if we don't get the answer in far from home, then it's definitely the Baxter building. (laughs) But if we do get the answer (laughs) in far from home, then it could be, uh, it could be Oscorp. Uh, But I think that's pretty much all I've got. Uh, for yeah. this trailer. anything? Uh, any final thoughts on the Far From Home teaser trailer, Paul?
1: No, I'm good, homie.
0: Cool. Well, then that is where we are going to wrap up. We will have a Patreon credit scene for this episode. We're going to talk about some Marvel Studios, Disney Plus rumors, including Lady Sif. So for more information on that and all of the exclusive content that we have, as well as the opportunity to hear this show, uh, when we do these main podcasts, you get them 24 hours early on the Patreon. So all of that information on that and our Discord available at Patreon.com/slash Marvel Studios News, and then you can find us everywhere MarvelStudiosNews.com, Facebook and Instagram at Marvel Studios News, and on Twitter at MarvelNewscast. Paul, I already told them where they can find you at Herman22 with two ends, <laughs> and uh, so hopefully you listen and hopefully you followed. Uh, And then if you want to keep up with me, you can do that on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber, Sean spelled S-E-A-N. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.